Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's all stand. Amen. I think it turned winter on us. It was pretty cold this morning. Amen. Let's open in prayer. God of heaven, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you, God, that we're able to come into your sanctuary, God, this morning, God, and worship you. God, we don't take it for granted. God, but we've come to worship. God, we've come to put aside, God, our cares. Come to robe ourselves, God, with a garment of praise, God, this morning. God, we ask that your presence, God, would come, God, in a special way. We pray that you would minister, God, to every heart. God, that you would minister to every mind. God, that the windows of heaven, God, would be open in this house today. God, that you would anoint your servants, God, as they bring forth your word. God, we pray, God, that our hearts and our minds, God, would be prepared, God, for your word today. God, we ask that you would anoint the praise team, God, as they lead us in worship. God, we thank you today. God, we give you honor. Lord, we give you glory, God, for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your mercy, God, for your grace. God, I thank you, God, because you're faithful. God, you're sovereign. God, there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you, Jesus. God, we've come to worship. God, I thank you today. Lord, I love you. God, I thank you for waking me up this morning. God, I thank you for health. God, I thank you for strength. God, and breath in my lungs. God, to be able, God, to worship you, to praise you. God, I'm thankful, God, that I'm able, God, to come, God, with freedom and liberty. God, to worship, God, in your presence, to worship in your house. God, we pray today, God, that you would break up the fallow ground of our hearts, oh God. God, that you would do something, God, in this house. God, that there would be a move of your presence. God, that you would touch and change lives in this house. God, that we would be prepared, God, for your preached word today. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we ask, God, that your will, God, would be accomplished, God, in this house today. God, we pray, God, if there's, if there's those, God, that's come with burdens, God, that those burdens, God, would be taken. God, if people, God, have come, God, with situations and problems, God, that we know, God, that you're the problem solver. You're the prayer answering, God, today. Lord, we thank you today because we know, God, that you have all power. Lord, there's nothing, God, that's too hard for you. God, your arm is not short, God, that you can't heal and deliver today. God, if there's those, God, that are bound, God, let them leave free, God, in the name of Jesus. If there's those, God, that are sick today, God, there's healing in this house. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Worship with the praise team.
Jesus. Amen. We want those that are going to receive the offering to come as they do that. Just a few announcements. Uh, today, there'll be Singles with Purpose at 4.30 p.m. Mommy and Me will be tomorrow at 11 a.m. at the Connection in Jessup. And then Friday, there'll be a youth rally in Glenville. So if you're going, you need to be at the church at 6 to catch the van. Man, I guess it's moving pretty fast, so we need to catch it. Amen. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to bless the offering. God, we love you. We thank you. Pray, God, that you would bless this offering today. God, bless every gift. Bless every giver. God, we thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, the privilege to give back to your kingdom, God, with the abundance, the resources, God, that you've given to us and that you've blessed us with. Lord, we honor you today. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.
Jesus. Go ahead and shout hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised and lifted up. Hallelujah. He's responding to your worship right now. He's responding to our worship. He's responding to our worship. Hallelujah. 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 How many know he's there and able to fill up, to provide a need, whatever the need might be that you stepped in the building with this morning, God met you here, and he's able to supply our every need. Fill us up till overflowing. We don't want it to stop there. We don't want just our basic needs met, but we need a spiritual overflow from God that can only come in the power of the Holy Ghost. Fill us up, oh Lord God. Fill us up. I feel the presence of God in the house. We've been in a time of revival throughout the week, and uh, we can see the result of it in the house of God even today. There's been, there's been soil tilling. There's been planting. And I feel like the Lord still, through the preached word of God, wants to water uh, that soil uh, to the point where there's going to be growth in the name of Jesus. There's going to be growth. Let's, let us turn in our Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to be reading from John chapter 4, initially from, uh, chapter, from verses 1 through 10. 1 through 10. And when you when you dare say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We got one in the house that's got his Bible open. For those of you that haven't gotten there, brother, brother Eve's gonna help you out on the screen. John 4 and 1 through 10, and it reads: When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Aren't you thankful for inheritance? Even in the kingdom of God, those that have come before us, that have worshipped this same God that we serve. Amen. There's an inheritance. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, he was tired, and he sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour of the day. The sixth hour would be around high noon. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. He would have given her living water. I want to preach for a few minutes. A divine encounter. A divine encounter. Yes. If you would, sir, pray over the message this morning. Brother Fowler. Glory God. Everyone say in Jesus' name as you're seated. Hallelujah. A divine encounter. As we look throughout the word of God, we find that the well has been known for provision, for supply, and also for opportunity. 
I'm a country boy. I grew up with with whales in the yard. I even, uh, you know, for those that have uh, water that's supplied right there in the yard, you know that that's a provision, a supply. It doesn't cut out when the rest of the city does. A well also symbolizes a place of inheritance. As Isaac took his family on a journey in Genesis 26 and 18, he took his family on a journey in the land, and along the way, his servants redubbed the wells of his father Abraham. He called them the same name as his father had called. So a well is a symbol of inheritance. The physical well represents new starts for the future. How many are looking at a new start in 2024? Amen. Some of you have New Year's resolutions. Some of you have some promises that you've made. Uh, some of you have plans to have something completed by the end of the year. Uh, but it starts with uh, a plan for the future. And a physical well was always a place where you had future and hope. The Bible says that when a man finds a wife, and Sister Park walk out at that point. Uh, it says that when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Amen. And throughout the Bible, we see that many times the well was the location that men in the Bible would find a wife. In Exodus 2, when Moses fled from Pharaoh, he arrived at the well Midian. There he met one of the daughters of a Midianite priest, and her name was Zipporah. This woman, Zipporah, became his wife. This land would be his home for the next 40 years. And his, this land and his life would be prepared for him to become the future leader of Israel. And it all started right there at that well. Isaac's servant met his master's wife, Rebecca, at a well in Genesis 24 and 15. And though the physical well is a place of physical supply, provision, and new opportunity, it's in those dry, weary, and desperate times of life that God is there for the needed provision. We see this in Genesis 16 and 13 through 14. He was there with Hagar. She was pregnant, she was alone, and she fled Sarah's mistreatment, and she had an encounter with God at a well. And Hagar's personal encounter with God, that location was named Well of the One Who Lives, and sees me. Amen. In your time of trouble, in your time of despair, when you seem like, when it seems like all of the rest of the world has let you down, in times of fear, God is the one that's going to be there for you, and he sees what you're going through. The encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, this was strictly a divine encounter. There are many reasons why this encounter should never have happened. Number one, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You know, the, the term that the Jews use for Samaritans is almost too negative to say from the pulpit. They call them half-breed dogs. According to verses three and four, Jesus and the disciples were on their way from uh, back to Galilee from Judea. And Jesus says to his disciples, you're talking to Jew, they're speaking to other Jews, and he says, we must go through Samaria. The Samaritan woman at the well, she even questions Jesus' motives. Because historically, the Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. To travel back from Judea to Galilee, 
the Jews took, typically took one of two routes. If you could, did you get the slide, brother? In this map, we see the route that Jesus is wanting to take is here in white on the right side of the map. I put the map on the left. There are uh, parallel maps, but on the left, it lists Judea and Samaria and Galilee, so I put it there so you could see it in overlay. But on the right-hand side, this, this direction that the Jews would normally take from Judea or Jerusalem back to Galilee, they would go to the right or east, and they would cross the Jordan River. They would go out of their way across the Jordan River, go north, and then come back west to get to Galilee. Or they would go west, go out towards the Mediterranean Sea, and go north of a place called the King's Highway towards Galilee. But Jesus was saying to them, I'm ready to change tradition. I'm about to go countercultural. And we're going to go straight up through Samaria and go directly to Galilee. How many know Jesus goes counter to the culture? He goes counter to the traditions of the world. He even goes counter to, the, as we heard earlier in the weekend revival, counter to the culture and traditions of the local church. Everyone that we meet might not look like we do. They may not act like we act, but it doesn't mean that we have to continue to have contention and avoid them. But Jesus is saying, I must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because God has a divine encounter with someone that's in need. This history of the Jews and Samaritans, it goes all the way back to the time of Babylonian captivity. During the time of King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, when he conquered the Middle Eastern world, he used this tactic to keep his captives from uniting and rebelling. He did this with large populations of the country. He would place them in different locations. Next slide. And what ended up happening is he took most of Judah to Babylon and he resettled other people in their place. With this country nearly vacant, scribes and other able-bodied uh, men, other able-bodied men would move in and they intermarried those that were brought in so that the Samaritans were no longer a pure Jewish race. Now, 70 years later, when the Jews returned, the Samaritans came to help rebuild Jerusalem. When Cyrus permitted the Jews to return out of Babylonian exile, the Samaritans were ready to welcome them back and to help them rebuild the temple. Now, when the Samaritans joined in the rebuild, wanted to join in the rebuilding of the temple, and you find this in the book of Ezra, chapter 4, the Israelites were divided from the Samaritans, and they rejected them and told them because they were not pure and did not have the same traditions and did not observe the same practices, that they would not accept them in helping rebuild the temple. Well, the Samaritans went and built their own temple. And what happened, the result is, the Israelites were divided as Samaritans and Jews, both claiming that they were biblical Israelites and that they, had, they adhered to the Torah, uh, or Pentateuch, the first five, the books of Moses. But diverging from that holiest place, which is a, a earthly place of worship. And the Samaritans said that the place of worship is Mount Gerizim. And the 
Jews said it's in Jerusalem. And this feud grew to the time of Christ. The Jews hated the Samaritans so much that they would cross the Jordan River twice just to get to their destination. And according to verse 6, the Samaritan woman is getting water at about the sixth hour. So, so one, they don't like Samaritans. Why would they go through Samaria when they don't like them? Two, it's the sixth hour of the day. Why is this woman at the well? The sixth hour is noon. It is the hottest part of the day. And she's coming to the well to get water. This is a divine encounter. This only happened because Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. He's speaking to someone's heart today that you might have come in at the worst part of your life. You might have come in at the worst part of your day. And Jesus met you here for a divine encounter. And, and what would be the sixth hour for this woman? Genesis 24 and 11 says, And he, Isaac's servant, made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. Proof. Biblical proof. The time to draw water from a well is in the evening when it's cool. But why is this woman there at noonday? She was there out of fear. She was there out of, she would have been ridiculed by the people in the town. As we read through Genesis chapter 4, and we listen to Jesus speaking to this woman at the well, he told her to go and get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now, not your husband. In other words, she had a sort of questionable moral history. Amen. And uh, so she did not want to be ridiculed when she come to draw water. So she came at high noon. See how God worked that out? In the middle of the day. So two, she should never have been there at, in the middle of the day. And then finally, he's speaking to this woman a very questionable moral background. And what good sophisticated traditional Jew would be speaking to not only a Samaritan at high noon, but a person of such questionable moral background. According to verses 16 through 19, he's speaking to a woman that very much so has a questionable background. So much that the disciples quietly questioned in verse 27 of John chapter 4. Who is this woman? Why is he talking to her? And what does she want? And Jesus said in verse 4 that he must needs go to Samaria. Did Jesus showed up in Samaria just like he showed up in the house of God this morning for a divine encounter with someone. There's someone here that needs that divine encounter from Christ. You might have shown up here maybe in fear. Maybe you showed up here in need. Maybe you were hurt. But God's here for that divine encounter. Jesus went to Samaria expecting a divine encounter. An encounter with someone that does not have the same church culture. Someone who does not have the same traditions. Someone that does not have that same Jewish sophistication. Someone that may not even share the same observances and rituals. I know when you come to a Pentecostal church, you come in not sharing the same rituals and observances. We may have somebody in this service that will take off from their seat, dead stop, and just full out take off running. That does not happen in every church culture. Amen. We may have someone in the middle of the preacher preaching, and the preacher's yelling in this building. We got that. We're, we're enthusiastic preachers. Got it. 
But we also got members that will yell back at the preacher louder than him. Amen? So I understand. There may be cultural differences and observances and, and rituals that may be shared. But Jesus didn't come for that. He came for a divine encounter. He came to meet you exactly where you are. If you're not the one that shout, Jesus is right there with you. If you take off and run three laps, Jesus is right there with you. It's not about the location or the time of the well, but it's about the one that met you there. And Jesus came here this morning for a divine encounter. He's introducing a new covenant, a new way of doing things. And his way is a divine encounter. Jesus is there with the divine encounter to let this woman know. As a Samaritan, there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to be angry. There's no reason to be contentious. There's no reason to hold on to personal traditions. There's no reason to come in and leave the same way you came. Colossians 2 and 8, and we heard it during revival with Brother Hurt. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Jesus' message is, don't allow empty deception of man's traditions based on the world's ways to become the thing that replaces the truth of Christ. We can't let the world's way replace the things of Christ. Jesus is saying, I have something that will give you a future. Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Not only did Jesus come to break these traditions and ways of the world with the new covenant, but he also let her know in verses 10 through 15 that he is the living water. Jesus is the living water. If, if you want sustenance and you want something that's going to last eternally, then you need Jesus Christ. That the physical well is not able to continue to provide. Jeremiah, in order for you to receive the living water, you've got to be there with Christ. If you are willing to turn away from that, the Bible lets us know the flow of the living water stops. In Jeremiah 17 and 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in earth, because they forsake the Lord. When you turn away, the scripture is saying here, you forsake the Lord, you forsake the living waters. So if you're away from God, then the flow of the living water stops. Living water in scripture, it underscores the life sustained and the transformative power of Jesus Christ. Painting this picture of spiritual abundance and eternal life. What Jesus was saying to that woman at the well is what you came for physically, I have more to provide. What, what you might have came for, and even in the house of God today, Jesus has let you know I have more to provide. Because what I have is transforming. It's abundant. And it's eternal. It's the living water of God. The wells were a source of living water for the physical life. 
A divine encounter with God is living water to our soul. Even if you don't want it. Even if you don't want it. The, the living waters of God are the source of eternal uh, uh, transformative power and sustainment for our soul. To be with God is to be in the place of this life-sustaining living water. To abandon God is to abandon this life-sustaining flow of living water. In John 4, 4 and 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's, you know, when we compare this flow of water to a well, a well has an intricate system of supply beneath the earth. That when you drop that bucket down inside the well, you can hear that water splash and, and pull up the life-sustaining flow that you need. In the physical sense, that living water only comes through Jesus Christ. And when you receive it, it's something eternal. Jesus says when you get this water, you won't ever thirst again. Amen. John 7 and 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. When you come up to pray at altar call and you lift your hands up to God and he fills you with the spirit, how many are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost? Amen. When you lift your hands to Jesus, that overflowing power of living water flows forth. Amen. And it springs up inside of us. And the scripture says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. If you've ever prayed with me here in the altar, that's my prayer. That's my prayer with you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Just open up to them and, and just allow that living water to flow. Jeremiah 2 and 13, for my people have committed two evils. This is when you take it in your own hands right here. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. A well, basically a cistern was something that you placed beneath the earth and you filled it with and it will fill with water from the flow of the rain. What it's saying is that cistern has a hole in it. And because it had that hole in it, that it you can fill it as much as you want and it's not going to hold. Uh, because they've replaced Christ. They've replaced God. By forsaking him, the flow of water has stopped. No matter how deep you dig, our personal well will never have eternal life-sustaining power. In verses 20 through 24, Jesus began to speak with her about worship. This woman at the well, she identified the location of the well, as we heard in the history of the Samaritans, Mount Gerizim. She identified that this location of the well is the place to worship God. She also identified by entitlement to worship there at that well was inherited. It was an inherited resource. Jesus let her know it is not the location that is the place of worship. Even the well that provides the source of provision, the well does not in itself provide that source of provision. It is the one that you're having the divine encounter with who is the provision. Amen. I'm going to look at verse 20 through 24. Jesus, 
The woman says to Jesus in verse 20, she says, Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place men ought to worship. Remember that history? They said, the, the Jews say Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when we shall neither worship in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship, you know not what? We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In Genesis 26 and 26 through 28, we see worship and digging a well. In Genesis 26 and 25, and he built an altar there, speaking of Isaac. And he called upon the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dig the well. I want to let you know that today, before you start to dig your well right where you are, as you get into the presence of God and he's met you at your will, you've got to worship him. You've got to, he worshiped God before he dug that well. You might say he had a well to go to because his well was inherited. The enemy covered up his well. The people of God dug a new well. The blessing and the source is in God. It's not in the well. Even though they covered up those wells and they redig in a location, a new location, they covered them up, they dig in another location, it wasn't about the well. And even the enemy caught on to it. As he covered up wells, it was Abimelech, and you can read this in Genesis chapter 26. He covered up the well, and the time of divine encounter would come with God. They redig the well. In, in fear, you might dig a well. In, in desperation, you might dig a well. And they redug those wells. And as they redug the well, the scripture goes on to say that the uh, Abimelech came to Isaac. And Isaac is in uh, Genesis 26 and 26 through 28. When he came to him, he said, why did you come to me? After being my enemy and treating me so bad, why are you here? You know what he said? He said, I found out that your God supplies all of your needs. And because your God supplies your needs, I, I want to make a covenant with you. Uh, when a person realizes that God is with you, they want to be your friend. Amen? They want to receive some of those resources that you have. But it's not about the well. And he didn't follow him for the well. He followed him because he knew God is with you. And if God is with you, that's where I want to be. Amen. Just go ahead and worship him right where you are. We should worship God. Lift him up for real. Lift up the name of Jesus. Why? Because in a few minutes, you're going to get to a place where Jesus meets you for a divine encounter. And why not prepare yourself just like Isaac did and begin to worship him. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and worship him. Hallelujah. We lift you up, Jesus. We magnify your name. We believe in you, Lord God. Although we may have come in in fear, although we might feel abandoned, although our health might not be where we want it, but we came for a divine encounter between you and I. 
chapter 29. I'm getting ready to close here. The woman identifies that Jesus is the Messiah. After he offered her living water. And she noticed and had knowledge that he was the Messiah. Verse 28 says that the woman left her water pot behind. And she ran off into the city to let everyone know. She said, come see a man that told me everything about myself. After he told her about them five husbands and the one she had at the house that wasn't. She said, let me tell you about somebody that knows stuff about me. I didn't know anybody knew. He know everything. Yeah, let me tell you about this guy. No, she noticed that he was the Messiah. That Messiah that traditionally they had been searching for to come in and conquer the Romans. Jesus said, she said, I know the Messiah coming. He said, the Messiah you're looking for, I'm him. He's right here. <laughs> and once she understood that, she became an evangelist. She went into her city and said, hey, come see this guy. But look at this. What did she come to the well for? She came for water. And she left her water pot right there at the well and took off running. Why? Because she left there with living water. She left there with something more than what she came for. Go ahead and stand to your feet as I begin to close in Romans 1 and 6. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Greek. If you came in the house today, you might not have come for that living water. You may not have come for some salvation reason, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus is here, and he's here for a divine encounter. Whatever that need is that you need met, you can come to Jesus with it. You can say, Lord, I'm fearful of what life is about to bring. You can say, Lord, my help isn't where it needs to be. If you came here and you came with a salvation, spiritual reason, then I'm telling somebody like Isaac did, begin to worship him, and then after you worship him, redig that well. Redig that well of salvation. Redig that well of spiritual inheritance. Redig that well of holiness. Redig that well of revival. Redig it right where you are and allow the God of divine encounter to enter in and give you what you need. As I close, many of the Samaritans, it says in John 4 and 39, in that city believed on him. Why? For the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming unto him, listen to this change of tradition. Listen to how Jesus and his uh, divine encounter by intentionally going through Samaria, how it changed culture. They besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode two days. This person that I have contention with, this person that I'm angry with, this person that I'm fearful of, why don't you hang out with us for two days? Why don't you stay here in Samaria with us? See, Jesus is overturning some things in our lives. He's changing our traditions. He's changing our way of seeing life. He's turning us away from the ways of the world so that we can turn towards Christ. And then verse 42 says, And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. There's someone in the house today. You came. You don't really know why. Just physically showed up in the building. But I'm here to tell you that you heard the message of Jesus Christ. And when you heard that message, you know it for yourself. That's the kind of preacher I am. You know, once I preach, that's it. I said what God needed me to say. Hey, the rest is on you. Did you hear what he said? 
He said he came here for a divine encounter. Are you willing to have that encounter with Christ? Or are you willing to go back and to have the deceit, the deceitful traditions of man? The deceitful traditions of this world. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I beseech you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, not to man. And this is your reasonable service, that you be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The altar's open. The altar is open. You know what, though? If you're not willing to come to the altar, that's okay, too. Why? Because you can dig a well right there where you are. Dig a well for Jesus right now. Begin to worship him and lift him up. She's going to come. She's going to begin to sing. But the scripture says in Isaiah 12 and 3, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. You came into the building today, you might as well draw from the well of salvation. Jesus came for a divine encounter with you. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come have a divine encounter with Christ? Just lift up your hands right there where you are. Jesus, oh God, at times life gets weary. Oh times I get fearful, Lord God. At times I don't know which way to turn. But oh Lord, I want to draw waters from the well. I want to draw waters of revival. Waters of holiness. Lord, waters of change. Don't want my life to remain the same. None of us should. Oh God, because we know a divine encounter. Oh God, it's one of our options. That we may allow the living waters of Jesus to flow. Allow those living waters to begin to flow. As the scripture has said, when we believe on him, out of your belly shall flow rivers. Let the living waters begin to flow in the house. Rivers of living water. He that believe, as the scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He wants to reveal a good future for you. He wants to reveal hope towards you. He is not trying to overtake you and to bring you down, but he wants to pull you out of tradition. He wants to pull you out of the ways of this world and pull you into a time of divine encounter. Do it right now, Lord. Do it right now. Begin to fill someone with the living waters of the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh God, when life seems like it's so deserted and it feels so weary and that we dried up in the place that we are, we need the wells of your living water to upspring into everlasting life and become the living waters that flow from us. Oh God, the physical needs cannot be met with the things of this world, but we need the eternal living waters of God. Let's worship together. Let's begin to pray together. Let's be comforted by the Spirit of God when we're weary and abandoned and fearful. God wants to provide. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Hallelujah. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, Lord, I worship you. Because 